Hello and welcome to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch into lives of extraordinary mission. My name is Dan Demite and I am here in the studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Patrick Rice. Hey Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. How are you, brother? Awesome. And Patrick, Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Isn't that amazing? I know. It's true. true. Patrick, I'm so excited to be recording today's show with you because we are welcoming on our show today Father Patrick Schultz. He's a diocesan priest. That's a great name. It is an An amazing name. name. Yeah. He's going to transform nations. I know. You better listen up, listeners. (laughs) We have two Patricks with us today. So Father Patrick Schultz is an amazing priest up in the Diocese of Cleveland. But he also really just does incredible things for the um, Theology of the Body Institute and just is an incredible spiritual father. So before we get into our show and before we listen uh, to Patrick's test- Father Patrick's testimony, uh, Patrick, could you open us in prayer? Yeah, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, through the intercession of St. Patrick, I pray that you pour out the Holy Spirit upon your sons and daughters this morning. God, I pray that, uh, that you've, you've give, you have a testimony ready for every person today. And that whatever test you're going through right now, God is going to use that and transform it to show his goodness, his love, and his mercy. And Father, we thank you that we know that a good tree bears good fruit. And I, Lord, we just believe that we're going to be entering into a season of an abundant harvest of good fruit in Jesus' name. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you Amen. so much, Patrick. Hey, I am yeah. really excited. I think actually this idea of uh, St. Patrick anointing the show in this episode is a, a good word um, because I think we're going to hear from Father Patrick and his story just how uh, the Father loves his children and how um, we can imitate and receive the Father's love as a son and then how the Holy Spirit emboldens us and empowers us to uh, preach the the love of the Father, to be a father, and to experience the love as a son. And so I just think that this idea of a ministering um, from a heart that's fully united to the triune God is really going to impact uh, the way mm-hmm. we minister, the way we experience the Father's love, and the way we operate. I want to open us today, um, Patrick, with just this... Uh, with an account from John chapter 21. And it's a really Mm -hmm. interesting account because, you know, it's after uh, Jesus suffers and dies and you have the apostles doing something really interesting. It says in in John 21, it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples. He revealed himself um, in this way that, and he, he was with there with Peter and uh, and the other apostles, and Simon Peter, before Jesus comes, Simon Peter says something interesting. He says, I am going fishing. And the other uh, apostles, they said to him, we will also come with you. And I think this is so interesting because after Jesus Christ suffers and dies, and after he rises from the dead, uh, what a, what is the response of Peter and the apostles? It's that they go back to their former way of life, right? That Jesus Christ, three years ago, came to them at the shores of, of Galilee, invited them to follow him, and, and he invited to transform their life so they could be fishers of men. But then they kind of reverted back to their old ways. And so often we do this, right? We have these powerful encounters with Jesus Christ in a life-changing way. And we're like, wow, this was like, uh, I just experienced Jesus and, and I walked with him and I, I heard his voice and I saw his power. But then we leave an event or a conference or a retreat and we go back to our former way of life and nothing changed. And mm-hmm. those words, I'm going fishing, are just words of... Uh, 
almost words of defeat, right? Where it's like, Peter, you had a destiny upon your life to be a fisher of men, not to be a fisherman. And you're going back to your former life uh, outside of God's full vision for you. And and then uh, the others follow him. And so they rejected their destiny as well, or they were walking away from their God-given plan because Peter wasn't leading them and he wasn't setting the bar. And then uh, Jesus comes to the shores as they're fishing and says something so profound. He says, um, my children, have you caught nothing? Have you caught nothing? And, you know, I think um, I think that's such an interesting question that when we go back to our former way of life and we don't live the life that God has planned for us, and maybe it's just because we're afraid like the apostles were, maybe we're hesitant and we're cowardice and we're just kind of like, well, uh, Jesus isn't here right now, or I'm not at that event, I'm not at that conference, maybe I wasn't supposed to do what I thought I was supposed to do, things didn't work out quite like I thought they were going to. We go back to our former way of life instead of fulfilling God's plan for us. And then the the question is from Jesus is, my children, have you caught nothing? Like, if we go back to this former way of life, we're not going to catch the abundance that Jesus has for us, right? And mm-hmm. he wants us oh, yeah. to, to be the fishers of men that he's called us to be, to go out and to catch an abundant catch. And um, and the things of this world will never satisfy. They're empty. They're empty nets. They're shallow. Uh, they they just can't they can't fulfill. And and when uh, after after Jesus asked this question, what does what does Peter do, Patrick? Oh yeah, he's he, he you know he says we've been up all night. We haven't caught anything. Yeah, and Jesus gives them this uh, this call to throw their nets overboard, and, and they catch us a abundance of fish and peter makes this act of faith where he jumps out of the boat he recognizes it's the lord and then he he swims to him and i love that um this interaction they have with jesus afterwards where peter and jesus have this conversation and and uh jesus says simon son of john do you love me and he says to him yes lord you know that i love you and then Jesus says to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, tend my sheep. And he says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was distressed. That he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, mm. I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. You know, and then Jesus ultimately reminds him of the original call and it says that Jesus looks at him and he says, follow me. And uh, I love these these questions from Jesus, this threefold question, Simon, do you love me? Um, because I think Simon was running from his God-given call, his God-given destiny, and um, to be a fisher of men. And Jesus doesn't reprimand him. He doesn't correct him. But instead, he reminds him of where his relationality has to come from in order for him to be the minister he's called to be. That the the minister, his heart has to be a heart of love, and it has to be a heart that's totally united with the Father's love and in love with Jesus Christ, the Son, and has experienced and received the Son, the, the Son's love, right? In order to to be able to say, yes, you know that I love you, you first have to receive love, right? And 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 Peter's almost saying, I'm going to willingly receive your love and love you in return, and then, 
and only from that that point of relationality are you able to actually feed the sheep and tend the flock. And I think how often do we as ministers try to do things on our own and minister out of our own strength and our own power? Um, Patrick, you you form and shape a lot of people who do ministry. What what do you tell them so that they're not doing ministry out of their own strength and their power, but they they're receiving the Father's love and then and then they're feeding the sheep and tending to the flock. Yeah, it's all good. It all goes back to the presence of God and what is God, you know, doing in your life. I think one of the if, if I'm going to give you a simple principle, Dan, it's that you can only release what you first receive from the Father, His gifts, His wisdom, His kindness. If you don't first receive that and experience it and encounter it, you're really not sharing anything. I mean, I think everyone that's listening to the show has had an encounter where the, you've been at Mass and you've heard the homily. And the priest, is he's not only unpacking the scripture, what it means, but he's sharing how that scripture has transformed his life, what the father has given to his son there who's, who's presenting and it transforms us versus the, you know, the times that we hear the, the homily, it's very dry and it's just like a biblical interpretation or things like that. But there's no experience of the person that's receiving and our hearts are crying out for, you know, um, that kind of transformation. And we, we can only... Um, seek to transform others until we, um, unless we've been transformed. And uh, another thing I'll say too, is that, you know, you can't minister from a place of woundedness where Peter, he wounded himself in his rejection of Christ. Right. And, you know, Jesus said, um, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 12, for out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our, our ministry, our proclamation, our speaking flows from the fullness of our hearts. So if our hearts are whole and like and united to God, if He's done the work of restoration, then we can actually uh, we can release that. But if our heart is 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 wounded, is weak, then we're going to actually um, minister without even knowing it. Woundedness. We're going to pass upon the bitterness, the anger, the hatred, maybe that might be flowing. Um, and, and Dan, have you ever heard like you know someone that's giving a really good point, but there's like a spirit of bitterness behind it when they bring up a story or something like that? Oh yeah, no, I, I love what you're suggesting there because yeah, you can tell um, you're almost kind of like wow, this is like uh, what what's lying beneath that tone that you're setting right now, or you almost just yeah. feel it from their presence, right? Oh yeah, and th- that's why it goes back to presence is because it's the presence of God that uh, that breaks the yoke of of slavery, and so the Lord wants to fill us with His presence, His light, and that we can become a light to the world. But unless we take care of the darkness, it's man, it's going to get manifest. And we're yeah. living in a time and a season, and this is a long season of, of God is bringing darkness to light, even in the church right now. And so if we don't allow that to, that to be done, like from by the Lord himself, it's going to be done in other ways. And, and I think- I'd rather Jesus do it to me on the seashore than for me to go out into the world and, and have the exposure happen itself. But God is so kind, he's so good that he wants to break through, and he wants to do that for us. He really is the divine physician. Amen to that. And that's, I think that's exactly what Jesus was doing to Peter here. Like, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And it was that open heart surgery where Jesus is like, well, then let me heal those wounds that keep causing you to run away from me. Whatever whatever it is that's in, in a... Uh, that's breaking you and disabling you to to be who I've called you to be. Let me heal that. And the way I'm going to heal it is through love. And listeners, we, we, the Father just wants to love us and love us and love us and break into our hearts so that we can be so healed by his love and empowered by his love so that we can go out and love others. And um, what you were talking about, 
Patrick, of uh, living a life where when you preach, uh, you do it out of a place of love and relationship as, as, as opposed to just a place of intellectual, uh, intellectual experience. And um, that's exactly what we find in Father Peter and in his way of life. You know, I love his preaching because he, it's Father almost... Father Peter? I'm sorry, fa- <laughs> no, St. Peter, Father uh, Patrick Schultz. And, On behalf uh... of every Patrick, I take offense <laughs> to that. I demand reparation. <laughs> Patrick, do you love me? No. Uh, the, the, uh, but he, his preaching is almost efficacious, and I wonder if our preaching could be more efficacious, that if, if we, when we speak, if it could actually bring about the reality in people's lives what we preach, right? And almost yeah. as you experience him proclaim the gospel and, and preach homilies, you experience in your own life what he's speaking about, that love, that intimacy, because like you said, Patrick, he's bringing the presence. It's not just the presence is in him. He's The presence is, is, is in us. And when we give the presence of God to others, then they experience that fullness of life. We're going to take a short break. And when we do, we're going to bring uh, Father Patrick back on, and he's going to share his life-changing encounter and how he's leading others to encounter Jesus Christ. You're listening to Encounter Radio, and we'll be right back. Wherever you are, find Encounter with Dan Demite and Patrick Rice on EWTN Radio, the EWTN app, Amazon Echo, Facebook, SoundCloud, Podcast, and follow them on Twitter at Encounter EWTN. Teresa Tamio. It's our goal to help each and every listener take this beautiful faith of ours out into the public square with great ideas on making a difference through engaging the culture. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Morning Glory. It's Catholic from coast to coast. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose hell. What God is doing is allowing our free will choice, because we have a choice. We can say yes or we can say no. He never wants us to say no. He always wants us to be in love with Him. And people need to understand, after we die, you only got two choices. Heaven or hell. Smoking or (laughs) non-smoking. Harold Burke Sivers joins Gloria Purvis and the Morning Glory team Monday, January 14th on EWTN Radio. Hello and welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. So we are going to hear about the life-changing encounter of Father Patrick Schultz and about his extraordinary mission of being a spiritual father to the flock that Jesus has entrusted to him. Father Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you here. Thank you for all the ministry you're doing and the way you love uh, your sheep, the way you father your children. Um, we're just so grateful for your priesthood and for everything that you do uh, in the church, for the church, and with the church. So thank you, Father. Oh, man, you're so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, could you start maybe just by sharing with us um, kind of where it all began? What was your like your faith like growing up, and how did you have that encounter with Jesus Christ at a young age? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I grew up in a... In a with wonderful parents who, uh, who much like like a lot of other parents, a lot of other adults of their generation, um, just never really appropriated the faith themselves. So you know, they're running a business, starting all this stuff. Kids come along and uh, like, okay, well we're Catholic, so I guess we're going to get them baptized. So I was baptized, received first reconciliation, first communion in second grade, and uh, but then like we didn't like, we didn't go to church like at all, like. Uh, we weren't even, like, good, you know, like, people talk about those CEOs, Christmas, Easter-only Catholics, right? We weren't even good CEOs. We were, like, maybe Christmas, maybe Easter, like, depending on the year. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, 
Yeah, we weren't we, we weren't even we weren't even good at that. But uh, <laughs> but fast forward to like my junior year of high school, it's where my uh, my parish confirms us that you know my home parish confirms the eleventh grade, and uh, my mom just said, "Hey, you're this is next. You got to do this. If you don't, grandma's going to be mad, and you just can't make grandma mad. That's just you know like it's just a rule for life." <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, so anyway, I this girl in my physics class just out of the blue one day just started asking me questions about God, and and uh, I had a huge crush on her, and so I was just, like, totally dumbfounded, and, and then she invited me to uh, our, our Life Team Fall Retreat planning meeting that was happening that evening, and, and I basically, I think I convinced her that I was a super devout religious person, because I don't know why <laughs> else she would have invited me, but uh, so we go there, and there was an evening of uh, just, like, an informational meeting, and our... Uh, our parochial vicar brings in the Blessed Sacrament from the back of the church, and like I had no idea what the Eucharist was. I didn't know what adoration was. I didn't know any of these things. But I just remember seeing all of my uh, my classmates and peers kind of getting up and surrounding the altar and looking at this gold thing on the altar, and they were just responding to a presence that was almost invisible to me. Like there was there was something that I witnessed that they had that I didn't have, and it awakened in me a hunger and a longing for something more, and it just, like, the Holy Spirit totally blew down the doors of my heart in a um, sort of Damascus Road experience, you know, that uh, I just so felt like Jesus had maneuvered all these chess pieces of providence in my life to bring me to this point where he could finally just say, okay, like, I'm here, I'm real, I love you, I know you, and I'm calling you to great things. And uh, I just remember leaving the church that night feeling... Like, my life was going, like, this was a pivotal moment of my life, um, and I was on a wholly, totally new trajectory, and, um, I mean, I can say a lot more, but, like, the rest is literally history from that night forward. So, wow. yeah, just that's amazing. blowing down the doors of my heart as a 16-year-old kid, totally unexpected. So what were you, like, in response to that, you know, like, you have this encounter with Jesus, and it's almost like this, <laughs> this, like, encounter on the seashore, like Peter had, and... Um, what, what'd you do after that? Like you're 16, your family isn't really practicing the faith. You're not going to mass on Sundays. Like, did you start practicing independent, like by yourself or did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got super involved. Like it was like, I, I, looking back, I know that I just met a person that night, like a person, a new person showed up in my world and I was completely captivated by this person, this person of Jesus Christ. Right. Like, and I got super involved in everything that the youth group of my parish had available. Like, I was going to every Bible study, every event, <laughs> like anything. I was, I had a whole notebook uh, that I just filled with questions that I, I was curious about everything. Wow. Um, and I just sat around and hung out with our, our priests and our youth ministers and all those people and just demanded to know, like, who is this church? Who is this Jesus? What, it, like, makes sense of this beauty to me? And um, yeah, I was, I was quickly becoming a, an anomaly in my family and my parents thought I was getting kind of crazy, you know, because respectable people have religion in their lives. It's a piece of the pie, but like, you don't want to get, you know, fanatic about it is what they kept saying. Like, don't make it, don't make it. So, you know, so it's like taking over everything. <laughs> but I just began to experience it taking over everything, you know, and it created a lot of pain and suffering and division in my own heart. And my family, but uh, mm. 
Yeah, that was that was that was. So did you just like you were like okay so uh, I'm totally in Lord I'm captivated by this beauty and then did you enter seminary just right after high school? No, so see what happened was like in that context junior senior of high school people started asking me if I'd ever thought about being a priest and I was like heck no like I I I'd love to be happy in life so uh, no thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I just I still had a very strange view of priesthood and um but like the question planted a seed, and I, I, I knew that I was being called. I felt this tug, and I experienced this tug as this like terrifying imposition on my life. You know, I very, it was very much Jonah. You know, the Lord calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he, like, that's east by land. He's like, I'm going to Tarshish, like west by sea, like the opposite direction. You know. Mm. And uh, and so like I I kind of bargained with the Lord and just said, listen, I'm gonna I'll go to a Catholic college, and I'm gonna I'm a, I'll work for your church, and I'll I'll have an awesome Catholic wife and lots of Catholic kids, and like I'll just I'll do it right, Lord, you know, just like let me just conduct my own life. <laughs> so I ended up going to Dayton on a full ride um, my freshman year, and I, I had everything you're supposed to have to be happy and flourishing in college, and I was just miserable. I just could not make myself happy on my own terms. And uh, it was very much like being in the belly of the whale kind of experience mm-hmm. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Another moment, the Lord just said, all right, like, would, would you like to try it my way? And, uh, you know, it was another night in adoration and crying in front of Jesus and, yeah, him calling me out. So I went to the seminary after my freshman year of college and never left. Wow. So you spent one year in college and then you went to seminary. And when you entered seminary, you were just perfect, right? I have a right? question, too. <laughs> oh, okay, go for it, Patrick. Oh, I didn't mean to break it up. Are you a fanatic? Um, am I a fanatic? I, it's, it's, that's a loaded word. I'm, I'm all in. How about that? <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't get that out of my head. Go on, Dan. <laughs> I want to be a fanatic for the Lord. I just love that. Like, don't get, don't, don't go all in. Wait, wait. That's actually exactly what baptism is. <laughs> Remember, Full yeah, immersion, Lord. If, if, if we're in our right minds, if we're out of our minds, it's for the Lord. If we're in our right minds, it's for you. <laughs> amen. Amen. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I it's so funny because I think so many people can probably. I know as a youth minister, I had so many young people fall in love with the Lord, and they went back to families that kind of had experienced um, the amount or the extent of their faith, like your family had, Father, and um, and they had heard those same same things, like, yeah, it's good, like, this should be a part of what you're doing, but stay focused, like, don't lose track of what really matters in life, and um, and that that's a challenging circumstance for a young person who's like, hey, I want to... Yeah. I, I, I'm reading the Gospels, I'm hearing the truth, and, and I'm praying, and I know God wants me to give him everything, but the people who I look to the most and trust the most in life are telling me not to give him everything. And um, So when you entered into seminary, how, how did your family respond to that? Uh, they thought I was crazy. My mom cried, like, uncontrollably leaving when they like finally pulled out and left after they dropped me off. They thought they were like losing their son. They thought that they just could not fathom how this could make me happy or like that this was a monumental waste of my gifts. So like that whole first year, it was like very isolating, very alienating, but they just kept seeing as I would come home, especially my mom that first year that like, I'm still me and I'm like a better me. I'm a happier me. And then, it was once my dad, my second, third year, really began to meet and 
like get to know my buddies in the seminary and just see like, oh my gosh, these dudes are human. They're like, they're really fun. They're joyful. They're they're like amazing guys. And um, he's like, my my son is like happy and flourishing, and uh, it's working. And so like seeing that began to like plant seeds in my own parents' heart for their own conversion to begin to question like. Like maybe, like maybe Jesus is real, and maybe He does totally satisfy. And maybe Patrick's met somebody that we just haven't met yet, and and now like like daily mass people, you know, they my dad sits on the national life team board. It's it's just crazy. It's the kind of conversion that wow. I've seen wow, in my own amazing. family with that. So wow, praise the Lord. So the yeah. when you were in seminary, um, uh, and and you had experienced kind of. Uh, these wounds that you talked about, like when you were in high school and stuff like that, how did, uh, how did the Lord deal with those so that you could start ministering out of a, a healed heart and a heart filled with love? Yeah, that's such a, that's such an important thing. The, um, I think, I think ultimately the, uh, the, the wound that like ne- that needed to be healed is this wound that like, that the Lord could not love, the, the unmasked version of me, right? Like, I felt like the family that I grew up, grew up in, the culture that I grew up in, the town that I grew up in, very much incentivizes us, incentivized me anyway, to, like, um, to kind of hide my weakness, hide my brokenness, and to, like, compensate for all of that, that stuff in you that just feels like it disqualifies you for love, you know? And so, like, we do that with each other. We present this masked version of ourselves to to each other, this this compensated, you know, costumed version. And then we bring that to the Lord thinking like that it could work, you know, and, and I think that that's something that took a while for my own heart in the seminary to heal from and the Lord brought me to the uh the Institute for Priestly Formation the summer before my uh my internship year. So I was, I was in major seminary at the time. And, uh, the summer before I did a whole year internship at a parish, I spent out there at Omaha at Creighton university with IPF and, um, just experienced this like gentle, but persistent knocking from Jesus in prayer, this continuous, like, all right, if you really want healing, if you really want like the relationship that would make this life of celibacy and priesthood, like livable and workable, you have to let me in all the way. You have to let me in. You have to let me see and be part of the stuff in you that just feels so like scary and broken. And uh, it's such a scary place to be. It's such a like Jesus. I'm just so afraid that if I really let you into these places, then you're gonna like hang your head. You're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna crush me. You know. And um, just profound experiences of Jesus in prayer at the institute and. Uh, finally found that the one that was knocking on the other side of the door was not this angry, vengeful landlord God, but this tiny, merciful, like the God of the manger, the God who, who condescends, who becomes so small, who allows himself to be, to be born under the earth and buried in the earth, this God who is so tiny and fragile, and, and he becomes helpless, and he becomes adorable. And that's like, that's what my heart discovered, this God who is so just so reckless, so recklessly in love with my own heart and my weakness that he uh, he just gently knocks and knocks and knocks and, and finally gets in there. Then my heart, that brokenness, is the manger he wants. 
Well, I love that. That's beautiful. That's uh, so when you were experiencing, it's almost like experiencing his love when you were just experiencing his love and contemplation and prayer. Um, what was he teaching you and what were you, uh, how were you being healed? What's that look like? Yeah, he was, he was, he was teaching me that, um, yeah, he was, he was teaching me the nature of his own heart. He was teaching me that, that like, that the secret to, um, to all of this, to life, to joy, to depth of intimacy is, is vulnerability, like a willingness to become vulnerable before him, a willingness to, to drop your guard, to open the doors and let him into those deep, deep places that, uh, that we keep everybody else out from. And that living from that place, living and abiding and letting him like dwell in that place where, um, where I just, where I am so weak and broken, like letting him love me there. Um, that's like, that's exactly the fuel that, that inspired, like Peter could not be St. Peter until he experienced Jesus loving him and forgiving him and being merciful to him at the depth of his deepest betrayal. Like Peter needed to experience that profound mercy before he then could have the courage to go out and proclaim and preach and do everything that he did. Like St. Paul needed to experience Jesus' mercy as he was killing Christians before he could go out and then proclaim, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Like, I've experienced him loving me and seeing me and being with me at my absolute worst. So, like, that's, I think that's what he's, he had taught me and healed in me, just like, you become, like, invincible when you experience that merciful love at your depth. Yeah. I love that. I think going, yeah, bringing it back to St. Peter, right? Because he was, it was like, I am so ashamed of what I did. I betrayed you three times. And then three times Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Do you realize this ant, the answer to that shame and the answer to be healed and to be empowered is experiencing my love and receiving it. And, and then reminding him of his God given call that I haven't left you. I still have you to be a fisher of men, not a fisherman. I still want you to follow me and tend my sheep and feed my flock, right? That that you're you're critical and important in my plan, um, but I want to deal with that heart of yours first. Yeah, like the rock could only become the rock once it was shattered and put back together. That's how the rock becomes the rock. <laughs> so how did when the Lord did this in your own life, how how would you describe the healing you've experienced? The healing that I experienced, I would describe it as, um, like, just the, ex- the experience of being loved. Like, this is, this is what every heart longs for. Every heart needs this. Like, um, the healing that I experienced is this, uh, this knowledge that, like, the Father does not get angry. The Father is just eternally merciful, and He's pursuing me. And like that, there's no, there's nothing that uh, that He can't undo. Um, yeah, the healing that I experience is this this freedom that comes from knowing the Father's gaze, knowing what He look, knowing what's in His eyes when He looks at me. Um, that He's not, uh, He's not a Father who is, uh, um, you know, disappointed. 
he's a father who is um, who is just so tender and powerful. He's yeah, he's uh, he's just so good. So, Father, we we're living in a fatherless generation where um, there are so many men and women who are walking around with an orphaned spirit where they don't know oh, yeah. their sons and daughters and they don't feel loved uh, and they don't experience the love of a father. How did this experience of encountering the father's love and resting with the father's love and learning to do that in your prayer, how did that shape and mold and form you as a spiritual father? Yeah, I think the big thing is like, like, so Pope Francis in that year for mercy, the, like the whole, uh, the theme was like merciful like the Father. Um, that uh, and John Paul II said that every man on earth is created to reveal and relive on earth the very fatherhood of God, which is not this tyrannical, hardened fatherhood. It's not, it's not this cold, dictatorial, um, yeah, authoritarianism. Nor is it at the same time this like weak, wet noodle, mushy gushy anything goes fatherhood you know it's it's something that straddles the world of, of power and weakness and and gentleness and strength um and so like experiencing the father um simultaneously look at me with such like oozing tenderness and at the same time such power that uh like that elicits from me like patrick you can do this get up like you have you can do this. Um, experiencing that has, has shaped the way that I, I guess I live my spiritual fatherhood as a priest. Um, and it's, you know, like people, people need to, um, it all, it, like I said, it all comes back to vulnerability that the father in his son, Jesus became vulnerable to me, which elicited out of me a willingness to become vulnerable to him. And now he's like inviting me to, to, to lead from vulnerability to help other people see how to how to like drop their drawbridges and um, open their gates and especially with with men how to show men what it looks like that uh, like a deep relationship and intimacy with Jesus does not threaten your masculinity but it it perfects it you know and um, so I think in my own spiritual fatherhood it's it's been a matter of like how to model for men, especially dads, um, a masculine heart that's totally given over to intimacy and love with Jesus, and how that perfects you as a man. Well, I love that. The how, when you, if you could speak anything to fathers right now, and you could challenge fathers with anything, what would you say to them? That's such a good question. Um, I think I would say to them that the the most important thing that you could give your sons or daughters is the gift of your own heart enamored and totally given over to Jesus. Like, I think so many men think that the greatest gift they can give to their kids is, is a savings account or discipline or order or, like, a roof. Uh, and all those things are super important. But, like, I think about... You know, St. John Paul II talking about the witness of seeing his own dad just coming into his room at night, seeing his dad kneeling by his bedside, keeping vigil, you know, um, that it's 
sociologically, the most determinative factor that indicates whether a child's faith will carry into adulthood is the faith of the father. And, like, I so would love men to see that, um, that cracking open the door of your heart, even just a little bit, um, and permitting Jesus in, not just having Christ be a hobby or, you know, religion be, like, like I, my parents experienced it as like a piece of the pie, but like having your heart be just totally given over to the Lord is, uh, it's the greatest gift you could give your kids. Like you're falling in love with Jesus. Um, and that, like a heart that, uh, that, that is closed off to that, a heart that doesn't do that, is a heart that cannot fully live in the fatherhood that God has made him to be. Um, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the church and um, really powerfully um, Catholic fathers, and I think sometimes uh, you can see fathers who are on fire with the faith and who uh, are trying to instill the faith in their own children, and then you also see a, a group of fathers who are very um, uh, almost motivated by the ritual and the order and the discipline of the church, and they're trying to utilize the ritual order and discipline um, to shape and mold their children. And um, I wonder if you could speak, Father, from a, a priestly perspective and from a you know spiritual father per- perspective, how does the ritual and the order and the discipline of the church um, matched with love shape the human person? Because I think sometimes we can have dads who they have the ritual, the order, and the discipline of the church, and they go to Mass on Sunday, they do the, the church things, um, and they force their kids to live a life of, um, if you will, morality, uh, but without love. And those kids grow up to be hostile and bitter against the church, um, mm-hmm. from my experience. So how do you match the two of these in a way that really forms a, a, a child. Yeah, I, I, I go. I just go back to what Pope Benedict said about like being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty decision, but it's the result of an encounter with the person who gives life a new and decisive horizon and direction. And like that was true in my life. That's true in the lives of all the saints. That um, ritual and order are so important. You know, like. I don't want. To, I don't want to be. I don't want to be come off and say like it's not important, but like it's so important. Liturgy and all that stuff is so important. The doctrines are so important. But um, I was thinking about like with Peter for the gospel this coming Sunday about when Jesus turns to the twelve and says, "Will you also leave me?" Right after the end of the bread of life discourse, and Peter does not say, "Well, of course not, Lord. I'm not going to leave you. I, it's because of transubstantiation and." I understand this doctrine of the church, and I've seen you worship, and <laughs> that's not why. That's not the reason why Peter stays. He stays because he was in love with this person; that his heart had become pierced by the beauty of being loved by this person; that he encountered this incredible, merciful love in this person, and he couldn't leave that. He couldn't leave this person. He didn't understand it all, right? So yes, like the, the the liturgy, the ritual, the piety, the the discipline, the doctrine, all of that is so important. But it's completely vacuous if there's not a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and as Catholics, we're so afraid of using that language because so many of our Protestant brothers and sisters use that language, and 
and we I think we shy away from that so much, but like like Jesus is a person, you know, and if you don't have a personal relationship with him, I don't know what you have. Like like and I, a relationship with ideas? I mean that that sounds like math. And like that's not <laughs> that's not gonna save you. But like Wow. That's a great come on. Hey, can you do that homily <laughs> and record it? Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. <laughs> Father, you actually record you. all of your homilies and post them. For our listeners here, where where could they find uh, the recording of your homilies? Yeah, if you go to vimeo.com and you search Father Patrick Schultz, that's F-R period Patrick Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, you should be able to find them on Vimeo. I post them on my Facebook page. Um, trying to work, working on right now a, like a, a, a better platform for that. But uh, that's what we got right now. So yeah, no, and I, I just love that you post your homilies. And guys, if uh, listeners, if you want to be empowered uh, by the Sunday readings, just listen to uh, Father Patrick's uh, homilies. They're just so anointed and so filled with uh, with power and love. And um, Father, I, I feel like you you have this great um, balance between love, intimacy, and mercy, but then also power and authority, right? And that love is not passivity, which a lot of times um, that can be a problem that Christian men face where they, they become gentle, but then they also become passive. Uh, and we want to be loving and gentle, but we also want to carry ourselves with power and authority. Um, how would you say that you've been empowered and emboldened by the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your ministry? Mm, yeah, that's such a good question. The, um, yeah, I think like, like, like one of the biggest tactics of the enemy is to shut down in the masculine heart this the, the natural God-given impulse to initiate the gift, to initiate the gift of life, love, mercy, conversation, you know, like, as men, we're called to that initiation as an image of, of God the Father. So, um, yeah, like, the passivity is not what we're called to. We're called to receptivity, which is not passivity. We're called to receptivity. But, um, yeah, I've been so empowered to be, to initiate in mercy and authority and my own fatherhood precisely in my own receptivity to God, to the Holy Spirit. And, and I've experienced that in powerful ways throughout seminary, but in a unique way with, uh, with the ministry that happens with, with you guys at, at Catholic Youth Summer Camp at, at Damascus Mission Campus there in Centerburg, that uh, when I came last year as a chaplain for the week, just living in the midst of this... Um, this group of disciples and missionaries, um, I, I like. I remember coming back and telling people, "I'm like, I felt like I was living in the Acts of the Apostles." <laughs> like, yes, I felt like I was surrounded by people, and I kept using the word "yield," like yielded. These people who are so yielded to the power of the Spirit that um, it brought me in a new way in my priesthood, like at the right time to this posture of the heart where um, I was. I, I was just very receptive to the power of the Spirit, receptive to the initiating gift of the Spirit, and um, just experiencing in a new way that, like, the, like this, this uh, just another Pentecost experience that, um, and that, like, that's always necessary, coming back to, like, being with Mary, that model of receptivity. She's surrounded by the apostles, the ones who are going to be sent out. They're surrounding her, in this posture of receptivity to receive the spirit, and then they're sent out. Um, and so, yeah, like being part of that experience at Damascus was so formative for my own heart to uh, just to know and come back that to, to the truth that 
the Spirit is, is incessantly, persistently laboring on my heart to give me gifts. And I, 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 I thwart the plan of God as a man in my life if I'm closed off in the spirit of, of self-grasping and initiation. Um, like Jesus himself is the model of this as a man that I, I, I receive everything from the Father. So like he's eternally in this posture of receptivity, and yet he's also eternally this posture of bridegroom, giving himself away. So like I just was reminded of that and, and experienced that in a deep way um, with the... Uh, the apostles and missionaries in the upper room at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Mm. Uh, so, Amen yeah, that, that. that was a... Well, I think there's so so much power in what you're saying, because if we, <clears throat> this this lifestyle of, of receiving and giving, a lifestyle of receiving and giving, and um, as, as in order to be a spiritual father, or in order to be a father, we have to first be sons, and we have to receive from the Father so that we can actually give. You know, I can't give life if I haven't first received life, right? It's impossible. Right. And so before I ever give life as a human being, I have to be born. <laughs> I have to right. receive life. And, um, and and I think so often we're trying to give life to others without having received life in the Spirit. And the the Holy Spirit wants us to receive life in, the, in Him and, and, to, uh, and then to give it away. Um, wow, that's so amazing. Uh, I just, I want to thank you so much, Father Patrick, um, for being a, a spiritual father who ministers with uh, love and mercy and intimacy and vulnerability, but also one who ministers with power and authority and, um, and, and teaches uh, his, his sons and daughters how to live their life. Um, Patrick, what are, you, what are you thinking right now? I think I just love how you've integrated like what true masculinity actually looks like and that there's this renewal of the mind that needs to take place about not thinking from what the world sees is what it means to be a man, but seeing that the true manhood is found in Jesus Christ. So I'm, I want to press into more of that myself, and that's really inspired me, Father. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, praise God. Father, uh, so we, we've announced you can you can get a hold of Father and check out his homilies on Vimeo, Father Patrick Schultz. Uh, Father, if you could maybe wrap it up with whatever you want to tell our listeners before we um, cut to a break and then give us a final blessing. Yeah, sure. I just I, When we were just talking about this receptivity giving thing, I just was thinking about a year ago I went to the Holy Land, and I learned something about the Sea of Galilee that blew my mind, that... Um, the Sea of Galilee not only receives water from the mountains, but also gives water out, so it's receptive and it gives, which is a wonderful comparison to the Dead Sea, which does not have any outlet. It only receives, and it just dies, right? So the uh, it was it was John Corbone who said the most fruitful human activity is to be able to receive God. So like in this age of the Church right now, and for our seminarians, our priests, everybody, to be praying for that Marian posture of receptivity so that, uh, that we could just be, like, the most fruitful thing, the most powerful thing we all could do right now is to receive the particular gifts of the Father, to receive the particular gifts of the Spirit and the Son right now. And so, um, mm. yeah, that's that's where my heart's led right now, so... Yeah, if we you, all do that. I love that. If you if you don't if you don't receive, then you're a barren desert, and if you don't yeah. give, then you're the Dead Sea. Mm, yeah, so good. Awesome. Can you close us with your blessing? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the gift of your mercy. 
for your fatherhood, the way that you lead us in power and tenderness and weakness and uh, strength. Lord, we ask you to send your Spirit upon us, upon your whole church, that there would be renewal and revival, that we would all be brought into that Marian posture of receptivity so that we could give the gift of your face and love to the world. God bless all of you who are listening, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Encounter, a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We're going to be right back right after this break. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. When you are predictable in your authority, you will actually have to use that authority less. Consistent discipline leads to less constant discipline. The more you act when you need to act, the less you will have to act in the future with similar misbehavior. The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Garendi. Monday afternoon, 1 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Join thousands in prayer for the respect of human life from January 14th through the 22nd. Each day of the Nine Days for Life Novena highlights a different intention and provides a reflection, related information, and suggested daily actions. Join at 9daysforlife.com. That's with the number 9. And you'll get the Novena automatically when it starts on January 14th. Together we can create a culture of life. Join now at 9daysforlife.com. Welcome back to Encounter. Wow, Patrick, we just heard the amazing testimony and words of wisdom from Father Patrick Schultz. That was just incredible. So good. Yeah, you know, I loved it. uh, I loved it too. And he was telling that story about his mom when he entered seminary that she was crying uh, because she thought she lost her son and, uh, you know, crying because he was entering seminary and thought it was a terrible idea. And then he shared about how his parents have had a transformation over the years and now they're going to daily mass. And a couple of weeks ago, I was at Mass with Father Patrick, and he was celebrating our closing Mass at Catholic Youth Summer Camp, and his mom was in the audience, and I was sitting next to her, and as he preached the homily, um, he was just preaching with such an amazing amount of love and authority, and she was just weeping um, as he preached. And it's an interesting contrast that she cried when her son entered the seminary because she thought she was losing her son, but now... She was crying years later as he as an ordained priest because she realized she discovered her son um, through the priesthood. And I just think there's beauty in that, that um, we can transform our families by our witness. And I know that sometimes it feels like our families are the hardest place to preach the gospel. Um, but if we persevere and we love, um, our witness can tra- change hearts. That's totally true. Dude, what stuck out to you the most during uh, while Father was sharing? Well, the thing I liked the most was when he was talking about how people like are something about they 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 don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're scared to use that because we're Catholics, and we're it's the part we we're talking about, you know, the the role of like liturgy and you know how we can get so caught up in the discipline and the over moralizing of our faith. But he said, you know, you don't if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, like what do you have? a personal relationship with the idea of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me like, wow, that's exactly what's going on. Like when when you don't have that encounter, and he shared that 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 quote from Pope Benedict um, about what what Christianity is, the encounter with Christ that change your, changes your life, you're actually stuck with an idea. And I, I'm, I'm a philosophy major, 
And so, like, this is exactly what modern philosophers like Immanuel Kant had this, uh, this, this philosophy that you actually couldn't know a thing in and of itself. You could only know the idea of the thing. Hmm. And, like, the, that, I think the result of that is when you start believing that, then, yeah, why would you ever, like, take something seriously? Like, why would you actually act upon this? And do something like seminary. You really uh, being a fanatic. You look like an ideological ideological zealot that's uh, you know going too far. So yeah. I, I think that was just a fascinating insight right there. Well, yeah, and you see that plague uh, hitting our, our our young people throughout the church and even our adults, right? That it's uh, he he said if yeah, if you just have a relationship with ideas, it's like math. And uh, and I think a lot of times you know you go and you see our Catholic school students and they treat religion like just another subject and it's equal to math and science yes and, they're like uh, faith plus morals equals salvation yeah, <laughs> yeah you know and it's like there's not a um there's not a a relationship that they've encountered the presence and the person of jesus christ and and jesus says taste and see right we want to taste and see the goodness of the lord we want to experience and it's the power in the person of the holy spirit that enables us um, to discover, I, you know, the, the word that's been on my heart all summer is if, um, if God is real, doesn't he want his children to know that he's real? And if God loves us, doesn't he want us to experience his love? Like a father wants his children to experience the father's love. And so the Holy Spirit is the experience of the father's love. And that experience is available to all of us. Patrick, we need to close, but can you just pray right now that a supernatural release of the Father's love would fall upon our audience and they would encounter His love right now, no matter where they are. Yeah, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, I thank you that you want to encounter your children. You want your children to encounter your love. So right now, Lord, we just come into agreement that your love would come on earth as it is in heaven. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us and unite us to the Father's love. Just renew our minds to know you as you are. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you give us thoughts that you inspire our imaginations and that your um, that the mind of Christ would be so firm within us that we would never doubt and or have any worry about what you're going to do in our life except for love us and that we could live out that that amazing reality here in Jesus name. Amen. Oh man, we're so thankful for all of our listeners. We're thankful for all of our priests who are laboring in the vineyard of the Lord and we just want to um, encounter as a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We have a lot of episodes, a lot of life-changing testimonies. So if you want to learn more about our show or share your testimony on our show, visit EncounterRadio.org. That's EncounterRadio.org. Thank you so much and join us next week. <laughs>